0: 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, this terror of the Lord is describing what it says in the earlier verse, the judgment seat of Christ. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself Whenever the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to one of the churches, he gets so much doctrine in there. This year, this Sunday, we are celebrating the new year. We are possibly taking a time to reflect on this past year. Maybe you look back on it and you see some things that you would like to change. Maybe you made a New Year's resolution, or a few. Maybe you decided to break some bad habits. Maybe you decided to begin some good habits. Maybe your New Year's resolution was to be at church every Sunday this year, and that's why you are here this morning, in which case I'm glad you are here. But how often do our New Year's resolutions last until about February? I I love this time of year because everyone is motivated to change, for the most part. We are motivated to do better. Maybe we've had a wake-up call, and we want to better ourselves. And yet, what I find every year is that my strength is not enough to make a change. No matter how many times I have tried to better myself using my own flesh, I fail every time. As we are here on the first Sunday of the year, I want to remind you of what the new life is supposed to be like. Sometimes we make comparisons and we make them with a good motive and we compare the Christian life to uh, something secular. So maybe you've heard the illustration comparing uh, reading your Bible and studying the Bible to working out physically. Right, You you start out small, you work your way up, eventually you begin to grow in that. But the problem with that is we make even our spiritual endeavors a physical one. What Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 5 is that the new life is not from us, it's from him. The reason resolutions fail is simple. We set a goal... We try to use our flesh to accomplish it. We try to do it ourselves. Newness does not come from internal discipline. A wake-up call doesn't last forever. It only lasts until we get tired again. New Year's resolutions fail because too often they are based wholly on our own effort. They are based on us getting it together and finally doing something healthy or good for us. By the way, I'm all for doing things that are good for you. Maybe you set a goal to read the Bible through, the whole Bible through this year. Maybe you set a goal to lose weight, a certain amount of weight. Maybe you set a goal to read a book every month. There's all kinds of good things. I'm not here to say it's bad to have a goal. What I am say- what I am saying is. Is it's bad if your goals are only based in the flesh Because that's not how we get new life That's not how we remember it Sometimes the worst thing you can do is make a new year's resolution To do something that appears to be spiritual And yet you seek to do it using the flesh I'm going to read the bible every day But we do it fully of our own effort not asking God to show us something I'm going to go to church every Sunday. But you come and you don't expect God to speak to you. Today we're going to look at four facts that can help you to remember what the new life is like in the new year. Let's go back and read verse 11 again. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Sometimes we try to explain the terror of the Lord away. You know what happens if you look up that word terror? You know what it means? Terror. This, is, this terror of the Lord is not the idea that God is angry with you and seeking to punish you. It's in reference to the judgment seat of Christ, where every believer will answer to God for his works on earth. That is a terrifying concept that we will stand before the Lord and we'll have to explain why we lived a life as a believer and yet so often we acted without faith. Because anything done not of faith is sin. That is a terror. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we, this is talking about believers here, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend, we are not exhibiting ourselves. Here's a guilt uh, version of that word. We're not showing off to you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. There's a danger in glorying in only our outward appearance and missing the heart entirely. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. I, I've got a confession to make. I had a misconception about what it means for the love of Christ to constrain us. And it wasn't until I was studying for this message that God made that clear to me. Sometimes we can uh, convince ourselves that, oh, we are just giving something up. We are in bondage to the Lord, which there is some truth to the fact that we are servants of God. But this word constrain is not the idea of limiting or uh, tying up or in bondage. It's the idea of holding together. Where Elena and I used to live in Nevada, they did have plants. And I'm not sure why, because it was in a radiated desert. But a funny thing, anytime they planted a tree, they would have to put three stakes around it with string or rope attaching it to each of the three stakes. I'd never seen that before. I've seen maybe a tree has begun to grow crooked and they put a stake on one side to try to straighten it out and things like that. But no, every single tree that is planted in the desert has three stakes around it. The reason is because they want to help the tree not to fall down. Because it is always windy and it takes no time at all for a baby tree to be decimated by the wind. So, in an effort to help those trees to take root, in an effort to help them to survive, to help them to live, they are constrained by stakes and string. It's not to harm the tree, it's not to punish the tree, it's to help it. And this word constrain here is that exact same thing it's to hold together, to hold completely. Because without him holding us together, we fall apart. The love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose. Again, the new life is not supposed to be about getting things for ourselves. It's supposed to be about serving the one true God. Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Verse 17. Therefore, based on all of the truth that is right there in this chapter, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. First this morning, newness, that is a word, I looked it up, newness comes from Christ not from your own effort or motivation. As we are, I hope that you you have a desire to be a better Christian this year than any year before. I hope that you are excited about what God has ahead for you. Maybe you have decided you're going to read through the whole Bible this year. Maybe you've decided you're going to read something in the Bible every single day. Maybe you've decided you're going to begin to keep a prayer list and actually pray over it. Maybe you have committed to be faithful to coming to church. Wherever you are in the Christian life, I hope you have ambitions to see God do something great this year. But if you are going into this year with the mindset of how hard you have to work to attain the new life you've started completely wrong. As a Christian, our life comes from Christ in us, not from our work for Christ. Number one, newness comes from Christ, not from your own effort or motivation. Number two, look in verse 18. And all things are of God... Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I love that ministry of reconciliation. You know who's supposed to be in that ministry? Everyone who's saved. Maybe you're here and you serve in the, in the ministry of the choir. You serve in the ministry of nursery. You serve in the ministry of kid zone. Or you serve in the ministry of the jail uh, lunch. Maybe you serve in 10 different ministries. No matter what ministry you serve in at Sunnerville Baptist Church, every single one of us has this one ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Number two, reconciliation comes from Christ not from your own kindness or goodwill. No amount of good works can bring you into harmony with God. Okay, let me me say it this way. Nothing you can do can make you more reconciled to God. I'm not sure if you heard me. Let me try let me say it a different way. Nothing you can do can make God love you more than he already does. This word reconciliation is an accounting term and there's three accounting terms in this text. The first is found in verse 5. If you'll jump back with me quickly, now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God, who hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. It's an accounting term. An earnest, in modern language, is a down payment or a security deposit. God gave us a security deposit on our redemption, and it wasn't just a small payment. It was the Holy Spirit, God Himself. God gives us the earnest. He gives us the Holy Spirit. That's a pledge, part of the purchase money or property given in advance as security for the rest. It's a down payment. God is giving us a down payment on the redemption that he is also giving us. Shouldn't we be the one giving him a down payment? <laughs> That's not how it works. God gives us the earnest. He gives us the down payment. The second accounting term is found right here in verse 18, and that's reconciled or reconciliation. This is to change or exchange as coins for others of equivalent value. All right, let me put it in another modern phrase. Balancing the checkbook. You know how hard it is for me to explain balancing a checkbook to the kids in KidZone? The other week I was trying to explain to the kids how you can study the Bible even if you don't know how to read because half of the kids in KidZone don't know how to read yet and the other half maybe don't read well, I don't know. Balancing the checkbook is really not doing this word justice but what it is, is it, it reconciles the, the uh, payment that is being given with the debt that is owed. So when we are reconciled to God, it equals out and the transaction happens. The purchase is not stopped. God doesn't stop in his tracks and say, whoa, 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 the debt is too high, uh, can't reconcile that. The third accounting term is in verse 19. Look with me there. To wit, that means to know, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, here's the next accounting term, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Imputing. That means to take inventory. So the way this salvation thing works, the way that we receive forgiveness for our sins is that we, all we have to do is accept the gift because God has paid the down payment. He's paid the earnest. He's given the earnest, the Holy Spirit. He has done the work of reconciliation through Jesus Christ, his son. And he does not impute your trespasses. He doesn't count your sin against you when he is accomplishing this transaction. He makes the down payment for your redemption, balances the checkbook for your justification, and wipes away any debt of your sin against him. Maybe one of your New Year's resolutions is to get out of debt. How much easier would it be to get out of debt if when we went to the one we were in debt to, they just wiped it away? That's exactly what Christ does for us. Number three, God wants to reconcile the world to himself. Look back in verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He doesn't exclude anyone. He doesn't reconcile some. He doesn't reconcile only a select few. He wants to reconcile the world to himself. You know what that means? It's not your responsibility to decide who God reconciles. It's not up to us to decide who gets to have the gospel. It's not up to us to decide who we share the gospel with. Because he already told us he wants to reconcile the world to him. I don't know if I told you, but this is not going to be a very long message. Look in verse 20. Now then, after these last verses, now then, we are Ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Number four, God wants to use you to reconcile others. God wants to use you to do this. It is up to you to go, It is your responsibility to obey in sharing the gospel with the world because he wants to reconcile them to himself. When we think of ambassadors, we think of someone who works in an embassy. Someone who is there in a foreign country to uh, help Americans get their paperwork in order. Maybe they have a passport issue. Maybe they have something else uh, wrong, and they would go to an embassy for the American representative. And really, an ambassador is there because the one they are representing is too busy. But God is not making us ambassadors because he is too busy to reconcile the world to himself. He is not sending us as ambassadors because he is too busy to come to earth. We just came through the Christmas season where the focus is on the birth of Jesus, which is God coming himself. God does not send us as ambassadors because he is too busy to come. He sends us as ambassadors because he already came. So, number one, as we go into this new year, newness comes from Christ. Spiritual life does not come from our own effort. It comes from God. Newness comes from Christ, not from your own effort or motivation. Number two, reconciliation comes from Christ, not from your own kindness or goodwill. I am so thankful that it is not up to me to decide who can get saved. Because all I have to do is get on the road and I am ready to not reconcile. <laughs> when when uh, Elena and I visited her family in Ohio a couple weeks ago, and it was, I don't even know what happened. I just know everyone on the, on the road was trying to kill us. <laughs> and it wasn't even because of the bad weather. The roads were fine. But I'd see someone swerve. We saw accidents on the side of the road. People swerve, look over. They're on their phone while they're driving, not even hiding it. They were trying to kill us. That's what it felt like, at least. I normally drive, and on this seven-hour drive, my lovely pregnant wife drove about half of it because I was losing my mind. I'm so glad that God did not put someone like me in charge of who can be reconciled. He chose to reconcile all of us. Number three, God wants to reconcile the world to himself. It's not your responsibility to decide. Number four, God wants to use you to reconcile others to himself. It is your responsibility to obey. So I have a simple application. If you are here as a believer planning to begin the new year right by being in church with the body of Christ, then the challenge is clear. Live like an ambassador. Christ came to the world once, lived the perfect life, demonstrated to us how we should live, how we should treat others, it is now your responsibility as a believer to be an ambassador for him. This is not a simple task. You never get a day off as an ambassador for Christ. You never get to clock out. You never... Stop being a child of the king. As an ambassador for Christ, it's not just about how you appear to others. Remember, Paul warned against how you appear. It's about how you are on the inside toward the Lord. If you want to use the language of a diet, you don't get a cheat day on being an ambassador. You don't get a rest day. Being an ambassador for Christ is not something that a select few are chosen to do. Being an ambassador for Christ, having this ministry of reconciliation is something every believer is commanded to do. No excuse we can make will ever be enough for why we are not being an ambassador be an ambassador reconcile others to god as we look back on 2022 maybe you look back on your new year's resolution from last year maybe you you met them maybe you followed through congratulations maybe you missed the mark Maybe you're only just now remembering that this time last year you made a New Year's resolution. Let your desire this year be to reconcile others to God. Let that be the metric by which you measure 2022. Who did you help reconcile to God last year? who is living the new life because God used you to reach them. Maybe you're like many of us and no names come to mind. In which case, we need God to do the work in us. We need to live the new life The application of this message is not to try harder to share the gospel. The truth of this message is when God changes you and you are an ambassador for him, those opportunities come up. Be an ambassador. Let God change you. Let God remind you what the new life is like. But if you are here, And you are not a believer. You're here and you don't even know what that means. You have never had your sins forgiven. You have never been saved. Or maybe you have been pretending to be saved because you're worried what people around you will think. If that's you, no outward appearance will draw you closer to God. Wearing the right clothes to church will not make you righteous. Trying harder to do good will not lead to your redemption. Only Christ's finished work on the cross can do that. If you have not been made new, if you have not begun this new life, then the challenge for you today is to ask him to save you. To believe in what he did. Only Christ can save you. But as we read, he wants to reconcile the world. You know what that means? You are not excluded from God's love. If you're here and you're a believer, you already have this new life, or at least you're supposed to remember what Christ wants to do through you. And if you are here and you have never been saved, then know that God wants to save you. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed.